0: everyone, welcome back to the Evangelism Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Garrison, and I'm here with lead pastor, Joel Sutherland of Peavine Baptist Church in Rock, Spring, Georgia. Joel, I'm very excited to be sitting here with you on the Evangelism Podcast. And again, before we dive into our content for today, we just want to help you reach your community for Christ. So, I kind of want to give our listeners a little background story of how you came to Peabine, what God's been doing at Peabine. So can you take us back to 2017 and how it transpired of how you're here now and where God has taken us?
1: Yeah, we could do the long version of that story. It goes back to 2016 when I came here to be the interim, uh, at the church and I had left another interim, went straight to here and they'd been without a pastor for maybe four or five months when I landed. And I was an interim all in 2016 and, uh, w- when I came to the church, uh, I'll tell you a couple things about the church I kind of inherited in 2016. It was already a good-sized church. It was run about 800, uh, but was declined, was declining, plateaued for sure and declining. It was an evangelistic church, although if you talk to most of the pastors, um, it was a different evangelism. Uh, And by that, I mean it was mainly them doing the work versus it being kind of a global church effort, if that makes sense, Uh, because what I wanted to do was build a DNA of evangelism that permeated the entire church. And so in 2016, I became the interim. God kind of began knitting our hearts together, and uh, I felt the call of God to come here really um, early on, but would never have mentioned that. I just kind of let, let God let the scenario play out and so it did. It, a lot of stories I can tell with that, but it all did play out. And in December 2016, the church voted on me as pastor. And in 17, I became, January 1st, 2017, I was officially uh, the pastor at Peabine. And uh, yeah, like I said, at time run right about 800, had plateaued, had been just slightly larger, was in decline uh, in some ways, there was a little bit of a malaise, probably over the congregation. Just there was some, uh, there had been some minor upheaval and those kind of things going on in the church. Uh, uh, some with the staff, so it just, it, you know, it
0: was, it was, in my opinion, just kind of ripe for a new work to happen. Right. So the time said about 800 people, mm-hmm. and now in 2023 we're averaging just over 2,000. That's right. Right. That's right. So Can you walk us through? kind of year over year, starting with numbers wise, uh, the growth from that year and kind of where it was going and even the COVID year and challenges that came with to where we are now. From-
1: yeah, for sure, because it's a great story. We we started growing right out of the gate in 2017, um, and uh, really we became one of Outreach's fastest growing churches in America in 2017, We um, the 52nd fastest growing church in America which may not seem like a big deal, but we'd never even considered that list. Like, we didn't, we, I mean, honestly. no, the list existed. Yeah, most of our pastors didn't. I knew it existed because of our my work with Nam and, and Georgia Baptist Convention before that. But, I mean, never even knew how you got on the list, honestly. Didn't know anything about it. Um, and so we made that list, which is pretty incredible. And they, uh, the, you know, they flew me out to Colorado and I spoke at the event. Actually, they did an event. And that was kind of the beginning of hey god's doing something right here in our in our midst that was 2017 and really in 17 18 19 what we saw was just good steady growth every year and and i could have to go back and look at the numbers but at the end of every year we were kind of a couple hundred bigger than we were the year before um and then in 2020 we were having the best year in the history of our church, the best January through February. The growth percentage-wise was just, was really looking good. We were really excited. And then the world ended. ended, uh, And it got real confusing for church. You know, I stood up, uh, I wrote an email to our church in, in March and said, hey, we are not shutting down, just so you know. It was on Thursday. On On Saturday morning, we had a call. I yep. think it was on a Friday. On Saturday morning, I had a call with the governor and about 100 other pastors. And this Saturday afternoon, I recorded a video that said, we are we are not doing in-person service. And that lasted about, I don't know, 12, 14 weeks when we started back. And when we started back, we were like everybody. Yep. You know, we, we started back about 50%. Right going on and and I'll go back to what I told the staff I panicked like everybody else did in you know when COVID happened because it was just all new we didn't really know what was happening it was one time during my quiet time I was I was kind of praying in panic mode you know with God and and I really felt I know God doesn't speak to us he speaks through his word but I I really felt the impression of the Holy Spirit kind of say something to me like this well I'm glad we serve a God of you know survival not a God who can thrive in difficult circumstances. And I kind of came out of that, felt like a slap in the face by the Holy Spirit, you know. And I kind of came back to the staff and said, hey, we're not going to survive. We're going to thrive during this. We're going to figure out how to thrive. And that's just kind of became our mantra all of 2020 is thrive, not survive. And we just started implementing things that would benefit us during the COVID era. And when we knew we would eventually come out of COVID, Uh, for all the experts who kept saying, new normal new normal new we pushed back on that and we said it's not a new normal Uh, people are going to be craving to go back to you know old normal maybe and we just started we started laying the groundwork to for when the old normal came back right you know for that and so we we felt like you know i came in on a monday and said to the staff we don't during that 12 14 weeks we were shut down i said we no longer have a worship center we have a studio Let's, let's do whatever we can do to improve our online experience, and it'll become our new front door, and let's make it really really. Because we didn't have online until COVID. Nope. We were planning for right. it, but we weren't planning for it for COVID. We thought we'd launch it in August that year. Right. And it would be a soft launch, and nobody would care about it, and they'd only watch it when they were on vacation. So, luckily, we had all the tools. We just had it implemented, but we said, let's make that really better. It'll become our front door. And then 2020s was looking good. 2021 and 2022 kind of got us back to um, maybe what we were in 2019, 2020. And then something happened none of us saw in January 2023. It's like because we stayed focused on mission, in 2023 it was like the church was shot out of a cannon
0: right and there I feel like there's so many we could do a full episode maybe we'll one day on the COVID era just in general mm-hmm. but there's we could dive in the vision right now but we'll save that for later what really we kind of restarted as a, a church because I'm on staff here as well and I remember you saying hey the methods we did we kind of have to throw that aside right now because mm-hmm. we're a, kind of a new era and that all we kept the main thing the main thing by the vision of our church and what keeps us focused and centered and kind of pushed us to where we are now, which I know a lot of you are thinking, okay, well, how did you grow, grow, grow? But we will get there. So fast forward to 2023, now we're at, again, a January we never saw coming, and now we're averaging over 2,000, which brings us to kind of, along with the church growth, because obviously you want to grow, but salvations. Yeah, And what we've seen, the jump in that, which ultimately, which we'll get to, the baptisms we're seeing.
1: Yeah, so if you, if you look, if you study nationally, uh, I did this when I was at the North, North American Mission Board, Southern Baptist Convention. A highly evangelistic church will baptize somewhere in the neighborhood of 10% of its Sunday morning worship. Right. I never really saw anything better than that. That that was kind of the pinnacle. I mean, somebody might reach into 11%, 12% every now and then, um, but you didn't see much more. Much more than that's so difficult. I mean, like, it's all, I'm not saying it's impossible. Because of what I'm about to say after this, but it's just incredible. I never expected to see more than that. Right. If I saw anywhere from eight to twelve percent of your Sunday morning worship, immediately I could classify that as a highly evangelistic church, regardless of size. So that means a, a church that averages a hundred in worship, if they baptize ten, that's a highly evangelistic right. church for that size church. A church that baptizes that runs a thousand in Sunday morning average attendance should baptize about 100 people a year if it's highly evangelistic. Now, I, I would even say uh, the the national average used to be around 20, 22%. Now, it's even, uh, excuse me, the national average used to be um, uh, like 5% or less or something like that, you, you know, but, but now, now you're starting to see that number even smaller of your, right. you know, it's down 2% of your, uh, of your same. So we, we would set it as our goal. All right, so You just talk about numbers for a moment, and I'm just doing that to talk about percentages. Maybe last January, 2022, we were averaging 1,600 and worship, 1,500, which was great for us. We had 25 and 35% growth when we moved into this January. Now, if we'd set a goal for baptism, it's not really something we do. We have a goal that's a measuring stick, that if we're not getting close to this goal, we're asking, hey, what's wrong? But we're not artificially inflating baptisms to get to a goal. We don't have an internal goal. For that, we have an internal measurement that says about ten percent of what we're running in Sunday morning worship should be what we baptize over a year. <laughs> so even if you looked at our at our Sunday morning worship, we we jumped to two thousand. I mean, we really only went over two thousand on Easter and one Mother's Day last year. We'd gone over two thousand. We we flip into January and we're over two thousand every Sunday. All of a sudden, I mean, it, it was uh, we didn't have enough seats for people that's how that's how much the grow we were so unprepared for that and so we're averaging two thousand every sunday and so our baptism goal for the year should have been around 200. the most we'd ever baptized in the history of our church now when you hear me use a phrase like history of our church we're we're, we're a church plant we were planted in 1836 uh, we we have graves that predate the civil war in our in our cemetery we are an old church so in the history of our church the most we'd ever baptized was 179 and i think we've been at 172 before 100 170. but if we're you know so we're thinking a jump to 200 for the entire year is not out of bounds. but yet we kept seeing the numbers in January i mean we baptized 30-something people, and it was 40. And And so, this past two Sundays ago, we just shot off confetti cannons at all all of our campuses because for the first time in the history of our church, we baptized 200 people in a year, and it was only July 2nd. So, here we are today, the second Sunday in July, second Monday in July, I guess, and we baptized 210 people for the year. Well, and what
0: you said, too, is so important. We don't just celebrate it because it's a big number but it keeps us we have these measuring sticks because it keeps us focused on the main thing and keeps us focused on evangelism because those numbers represent people represent souls. souls souls has a story to it yeah what the gospel of jesus can do and their life so that's why we celebrate it and we're passionate about it it's not just to say look at these numbers no what what did i say that behind every
1: number is a soul and behind every soul is a story and behind every story is the gospel like so we have that internal number So here's how we have that internal number. If our internal measurement was 200 baptisms for a year, and we're in July and we're at 50, we're going to say, hey, we're not going to try to baptize more people. We're going to evaluate and say, what are we doing wrong? The gospel still works. The gospel still saves. We we believe the power is in the gospel. If we just get the gospel out to a lost and dying world, uh, the gospel and the Holy Spirit will do the saving. So if we're behind on that measurement, we're asking ourselves, what are we doing wrong? Not, can we get somebody in? There has never been any pressure on a pastor or anybody to get somebody baptized. We've never had that conversation right. internally or externally about we need to find people to get baptized. We're, we we would blame ourselves and say, what are we not doing correctly? You know, where,
0: we, where have we stopped preaching the gospel? Well, just in the last few years, we examined each ministry of what outreach are we doing? Is it being fruitful or do we need to look at a mix of We've done that with youth, with kids' ministry, and the That's returns right? we've We've seen, it's just we've found more effective methods for right. evangelism. Well, you, you said earlier, I think I got sidetracked about methods. We,
1: we we realized early on that we're not really married to methodology. We're not going to do anything sinful, wrong. Really, we're not even going to do bleeding edge. Like, we let other people do that. We want to do what works. But we realized early on, methodology has to change because the me- message never does. And so right. we're okay messing with our methodology and fortunately we're at a church that we've created the dna right where the church is okay with us experimenting from time to time
0: i've heard it put the message is holy; the method is not
1: it's not is not i think with the method you can get out of bounds with the method for sure and but we we, we're not going to do that we want to stay doctrinally uh, pure and uh with our and with our methodology have integrity with that so we're not doing anything manipulative or anything Right. Or in those lines, but yeah, we, it's all flexible to us.
0: So that's kind of just a very, very brief history of what's kind of God's been doing the last six, five to six years. Mm-hmm. So before we kind of look at, because I know a bunch of people, you're probably thinking if you're like us, okay, well, how, well, right. why is that happening? Right, You know, give us three steps that will every make those things happen at my church. But before we kind of look at those things a little bit, really, and we talked about this before we start filming, uh, the God factor of it's not just happening because, I mean, we're working hard, but the Lord's blessing us, and I just want to make sure we are vital on you can't skip the God factor, and we are passionate about our quiet time as a staff, our prayer time, and if you could just talk about that, what exactly the God factor, because you can't, there's no, you can't have the growth, the salvation, baptisms, without really that being the driving force. Yeah, a lot of people see,
1: and I know this because I was in this world where I worked at Nam people will see a highly evangelistic church and they'll be like, oh, well, they're shallow because they're reaching, and that is not us. Like, we are very not, people assume you can't win people to Christ and make disciples, it's either or, but the Great Commission is both and, right? And so one of the things we talk about as a staff all the time, as a matter of fact, every employee on on staff, I meet with one time a year to talk about their quiet time. And I have a one-on-one with them where they have to tell me what they're doing in their quiet time, and I serve as a resource on how to make your quiet time better or make it to the next level. That's every pastor. That's every single person on staff. I do that, that one-on-one appointment. And then pastors at our staff retreat every November. It's the very first session we do every time as a group. We go around in a circle. I say, hey, tell us about your quiet time. Uh, What worked for you this year? What didn't work? Where where are you struggling? And where can some of us help? That kind of thing. Because here's what we know. Uh, I, I say it all the time. Uh, in print and in person as well. God blesses godliness. Like God blesses holiness. And I don't think He blesses the lack of it. I think scripture is pretty plain on that. And so we want to be godly. We want to be holy. And we want to make sure what we're doing is in the Lord's will. And look, we'll talk about all that later on. But the first thing we do every year, not not the very first thing, that doesn't start January 1st, but we kick off the new year early on with 21 days of prayers at church, special prayer times. Like we're, we're doing all that because we know. Um, I think I had you sing one time this song in, um, in a church service, uh, the chorus of it, uh, an old song you used to sing when I was growing up, all is vain unless the Holy spirit of the Holy one comes down. Like we, we know God's presence needs to be here, uh, not just on Sundays, but on Mondays as we're just going about it. So yeah, I think, uh, to think, do we have a methodology to what we're doing that we can train? 100% we have a methodology. Does it work without the Spirit of God? Don't even want to try it without
0: the Spirit yeah. of God. We're talking We'd about often. There's no strategy that you can put in place that can outdo having the hand of God on you. That, that's exactly that, which is what we ask him. You to. say all the time, God's doing something. P. Vine, Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. That's uh, about every staff meeting
1: I start off with. Hey, we had another record, whatever. God's doing something. Don't be the one to mess it up.
0: So you kind of hear what's been happening in the last five, six years at p Vine. God's doing an incredible things so in salvation, growth, baptism. So we kind of want to set up for the next episode, and that is, okay, what is the drive outside of the Lord, which we just talked about that. What is the driving force? Like what? how do we keep the main thing the main thing? How do we focus on evangelism and focus on what God wants us to do at p Vine? And that really is the vision of our church. And I would think you would agree that that's kind of, as a lead pastor, has to come from Lee, Pastor. But, and again, we won't dive into it till next episode, but that has to be kind of a starting point, is you got to have a strong vision for your church.
1: Yeah. And I would say this for Pastor watching this episode uh, if you hear, if all you hear is, oh, he's bragging about what what's happening at Peabody, that's not the point of this. The point of this is, I don't know that ever in my ministry, I've been in full time ministry 30 years now. I don't know that, or almost thirty years. I don't know that I've ever heard pastors be more downcast about the possibility of reaching people the gospel and growing their church. It's almost like, well, we're just thought it just can't be done anymore. COVID ruined the church, like it's all messed up. What really what we're trying to say is, no, it, it, it is happening. It can happen. You, there there are things you can do. Got the gospel still saves. The Great Commission still works. Like there's very much things you can do. And so, pastor, if you heard anything, don't hear well, Peabody's doing great. You need to hear, you You can do the same. Like, your church can do that as well. And, you know, it starts with a, a godly vision, and we'll talk about that in, uh, next time. Right. As remember, there are about, about 12 steps I break out when I studied highly evangelistic churches. I have guys ask me all the time, Josh, um, well, what are you doing? And I always say, I'm drinking my own Kool-Aid. Everything I've been teaching that I learned studying highly evangelistic churches,
0: that's what we do. And that's what I love, too, because it's not just something... That you created on your own—it's just the research of your own and talking to others and constantly trying to learn. And you'll say this often: "Peebath, we have holes in my truck and drive through that we're always trying to fix." That's right. We're always That's trying to right. Get be better. So, right. No perfect church. We're also trying to get better, but we've seen God do amazing things with our growth and salvation and baptisms, and we just want to share. Yeah, I would say so. I've got these
1: three big rocks, and they have three rocks. So, if you just say these twelve bullet points on on how to reach people, in the Gospel and Grow a Church, we may be doing six. Okay. You're right. You're right, right. And, and then we feel like these other six, and and that to me is, tells me as much growth as we have, we've got so much more potential. Right. And chances are a pastor, a church that's in decline, is not doing any of them well. And if you just hit one of them really well, it'd be life changing for your church.
0: Well, okay. way, thank you again for talking to us With the episode here. Next episode, we're going to look at vision and kind of the driving force of everything. We just talked about that, and we will hope you tune in.